Yo, yo, this is Jason Goff from the Full Go Podcast. Me and the crew, we like to entertain you. And we're going to do more of that this football season because the Bears should be more intriguing. There should be more fascination. Justin Fields, is this the make or break year? Is DJ Moore the piece that's going to put them over the top? You can catch us on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays or when we have an emergency podcast when we have breaking news. Make sure you follow the Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Korolbeck. And we are back, baby. We, we are, back. are back. Last week, it was all just misery and torture. And our three teams, Steelers, Seahawks, Giants, were, I don't know, the worst three teams of the day. And today, it was fantastic. Seahawks won in overtime. The Giants, uh, never, never a doubt about the Giants' performance today. And Craig, Monday Night Football. Steelers are going to redeem themselves. Almost definitely, probably. Right? Right? Yeah, sure. I don't feel as confident as I did in the Seahawks and the Giants (laughs) heading into Monday night. But we'll see. I want to talk about the Giants again. Never a doubt in a moment. But we just finished Sunday Night Football. The Dolphins-Patriots game ended. One, I mean, the whole game was kind of like watching a car that had nitrous race a car that didn't have nitrous. But then it was all overshadowed by the end with the line, the lateral from Gesicki to the lineman and the replay. DK, you're our go-to ref hater. (laughs) Um, What did you make of the ending there with, if you didn't see it, basically the Patriots get the ball, they're driving for a touchdown and they Kasiki lateraled it and a lineman tried to get it. And we spent five or 10 minutes trying to figure out a, like a three inch thing should be reviewed. Right, or not. right, right, right. I don't, I don't really understand how they overturned it. I guess that would be my because they called it. They immediately had it as a first down and they were like, <laughs> yeah, but really that guy sure was just it. riding the wave of the crowd. The ref <laughs> ran in as there was still a dog pile and the crowd's going nuts because it was a cool lateral. And he just comes yeah, in yeah. and gives a first down. And everyone yeah. erupts. And when I was watching it, I was like, eh, I don't know if he got that. Plus, it was in a dog pile. So I don't know how the hell that ref just came in and immediately was able to tell that was a first down. You go in and That's like, good how did they turn it over, though? Because it was so close. I don't know. I All think right, he so was short. I'm of two minds. I'm of two minds. I think that Craig makes a good point where I'm sh- like the letter of the law is it can only be overturned with indisputable evidence. But Craig's right where the refs, they can't say this out loud. They're like, yeah, but that guy is an idiot. And they can't. Tell. We're not He's claiming a him. He's yeah. loose cannon. Like, you know, they can't say that that guy's like, you know? Yeah, that guy called it way too fast. I, I get it. He was riding the wave. I mean, it was a really cool moment. I mean, you know who that was, right? That was Cole Strange from Chattanooga. Nuga. 
Chattanooga boy. Chattanooga boy. Should we go through the? I was like, what? What a moment for the show. I will say, I I do think that a, a few things we've started on the show's bits. I actually realize are actually how I feel and correct. One of them is this is none of this needs to be hard. This is actually very simple. We all agreed that the instant replay, look, as we put more cameras and sensors and everything, we're going to like, you know, baseball, like strike zones, we're all going to lose our minds, like with the precision we're able to have. And we're going to like, it's more than you want, because eventually you're going to be able to like relitigate any play that's ever happened. And it should actually be very easy. If you need to watch a replay more than three times, it's not clear. It's not obvious. Clear and obvious does not require a fourth viewing. At that point, it's not clear. How do we not have a beam that goes across the field from first down marker to first down marker? And if the ball crosses the plane, the beam lights up. Like, how do we not have that? Because it's where the knee touches down too. That there's like multiple, multiple variables to it that make Put it the work. sensors but, in the knees. They already got like all these screws and, <laughs> and stuff. The knee pads. Sensors in the knee pads. Yeah, that's how they make the video games. I don't know why they can't do that. But yeah, it, it seems like we should have better technology for this than some old man running in and being like, yeah, he got it. Like it back then in tennis, in fact, in tennis, you can zoom in to like the, yeah. the like pixels on the screen to see like if one piece of fuzz on the tennis ball was on the paint. And yet in football, it's just like a dude in his 60s squinting. And he's always crazy. the thing that drives me crazy about the spot, the guys who uh, the line <laughs> judges who spot the ball is they're always running like they're behind the play. They're running to try and catch up. Maybe like maybe it's I like they're late to correct. class. <laughs> I- and then I, like, I, maybe I don't understand exactly how it happens, like the, the actual process for the referees, but like they always seem to be like four or five feet behind the play and then they run. And as they're like spotting the ball, they kind of like weave and zigzag and they're like, oh, this feels good right by about the way, here. I've never seen a ref. I, I've never agreed with a ref's live spot of a ball. I'm always like, that's like a <laughs> oh, yard off I, where I, I thought it was. I, it's I always off. The, spot, the players on the sideline are confused. I'm going to go the other way. I will say, if you pay attention, I'm consistently amazed with how often referees get stuff right. Like the they amount of times where I'm like, accurate. that was a catch. That's a catch. And then I see the replay. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, his foot was out. How did they see that? And I'm like a little worried these 70-year-old men have better eyesight than I do. They're pretty good about inbounds, out-of-bounds for like toe taps. Just like, man, umpires, I, I can't believe they get those bang-bang plays at first base so <laughs> yeah. accurately. I mean, that's incredible. But ma- they cannot spot a ball to save their lives. Yeah, well, you know what? Honestly, it's just a whole metaphor for you know what? Technology won't make you happy just because we can find perfection. It's like, it doesn't exist. Just, you know, learn to live with imperfection. That's why we need kickers in fantasy football. It's another conversation. Okay, uh, <laughs> enough about that. <laughs> we got to talk about the All Giants. Right. You know, they had us in the first half. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'm going to just <laughs> give the Giants that had us in the first half. I'm not going to lie award. Um, you know, Giants down 60 to zero. First six quarters of the season. Not great. It's not what you wanted. It's not what I envisioned. There was a long, several hour period of time. Because Craig, so just peek behind the curtain, Craig Heifetz and I are texting all day long, usually on Sundays. And there was a good amount of time there where I was like, okay, we need to do a welfare check. We need to like text Jackie, see what's going on. Is is Danny around? Is Heifetz alive? Because we didn't hear from you for several hours. It was like I, he was doing his weird little <laughs> rituals somewhere by himself or something. I don't really know. But like, I was starting Spilling to get pagan blood. It. Yeah. I know. I was just like doing pagan rituals and like just- Did you go for a walk? What did you do? I, it worked. No, what, what I did, I was looking up whether anyone owned the 
domain website for did the giant score yet.com because I was a little worried <laughs> that it was going to be like 0 and 2, 60 to 0. But so the Giants, 20, it, they were down um, 28 to 7 midway through the third quarter. So the Giants kind of basically did the 28 to 3 comeback. It was 28 to 7, but they did it in regulation. Giants scored 24 yeah, just, unanswered uh, points against in the worst team in the league, yeah, though, not a super, yeah, not a super team. Out. team. <laughs> Shut up, Craig. <laughs> a guy with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. So, yeah. <laughs> Josh Dobbs looked like Tom Brady in the first half. He did. So, franchise <laughs> record comeback. The Giants were down 21 points at halftime. The last <laughs> entering the day, the Giants down 21-0 in the second half. We're 0-50 entering the day. The last time the Giants came back from 21-0 in the second half, was uh, or down twenty one was uh, was nineteen forty nine and ironically it was also against the Cardinals. Wow! I think Milt Plum was in that game. <laughs> yeah, <Milt Plum. laughs> what city was Milt Plum. the Cardinals in? In that, in that Chicago. Game? Okay, which <laughs> perfect. Which go. first of all, we we didn't talk about this enough. You know, Chicago. The Cardinals were started by like an Al Capone adjacent lawyer, and that was Michael yeah. Bidwell's really? grandfather who owns the team. Oh. Yeah, it's like a, a, he bought it from a guy on a boat. Which reeks of the Peaky Blinders scene in the um, the basement where he's like, "Give me your company." It doesn't matter. Just look <laughs> it up. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. You'll never hear from me again. But anyway, Daniel Jones. I was looking up stats in the first half, and I accidentally shrieked because I came across that Daniel Jones had like essentially zero fantasy points in the first half. Ended up number one scoring fantasy quarterback on the day. Yeah, number one overall. Josh Dobbs, top five quarterback on the week. More than Jalen Hurts, more than Josh Allen, more than Patrick Holmes. So it's a weird game. Well, I, I was extremely biased. DK, what was your like? Were you, I, I'm actually touched that you were just worried about me. Uh, yeah, well, it's mostly just like, how are we going to do the podcast if he's dead? You know, that would be that would be awkward. But um, the game that was just a wild game. Yeah, I was like, at first, I was like, wait, is my was I actually maybe being serious about my Cardinals are going to win nine games? Take like they're they're actually looking a lot better than I think anybody expected. They almost won week one, and then of course they were kicking uh, the Giants' ass in the first half in this one. But um, I don't know. I, I I don't really have like a big takeaway other than like good job for the Giants coming alive in the second half. I don't know what Brian Dayball uh, did to like spark get that spark, but it certainly worked. I, I guess the way I'd say it is I can't remember a game. I'm sure there are, but I can't remember a game where I felt like a team had all of its strengths and weaknesses on display in the same performance. I actually think Daniel Jones played incredibly well and everyone who made fun of him the first half, including me, I was a little terrified. Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. Everyone makes fun of the contract. Daniel Jones is there. I think the coaching staff, Brian Dable is great. I think the surrounding team is kind of horrific. And like the, the pieces have been overstated. The Giants, the Giants started two rookie cornerbacks in week one. It's been like, I don't think the Giants have done that in like 15 years. Hmm. I mean, and he looked up, my brother texted me and he was right. Like the they just kept getting lost on pick plays. Like, like the defense was lost. I, the whole thing's just sloppy. The offensive line's a mess. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle was out. The right tackle of Anil is bless his heart. Uh, someone called him Eric Flowers with a work ethic, which was devastating. Our left guard was benched and then he got to play again. And it, it the, everything's a mess. But um, Jalen Hyatt looked great. Isaiah Hodgins yeah. is weirdly good, but like, it's still, you know, it's a practice. He's a practice squad guy. Daniel, I, I don't know. So I, it, it's not good that this was the Cardinals. Yeah. I think my main takeaway here was just, I don't know if the giants are any good. Like it, it was a great comeback. And there was moments where I was like, wow, they have some good, you know, like talent here. Like Saquon Barkley looked awesome. Daniel Jones was making some huge plays. 
Um, and and like Jalen Hyatt looks like he's an ascending player, but at the same time, kind of get done with that game, and I'm like, I don't really know if like I learned anything about the Giants here. Like, I don't know if they're a good team at all yet. So good thing they got the win, I guess, is the bottom line. Well, and then Saquon got hurt. Sa- Saquon yeah. got rolled up on. Uh, yeah. towards the end of the game and it looked really nasty and he kind of had to get helped off the field but now reports are coming out that it might be an ordinary ankle sprain rather than a high ankle sprain which is a huge difference I mean they're playing Thursday night I doubt he's going to play regardless that game but two weeks off hopefully he's back but he I mean Saquon is so good but I, I, I really feel like the Giants are not giving him enough opportunities in space like he most of the time he's like running little three yard curls and the second he catches the, the ball he's getting hit by a linebacker coming up his ass like they need to do mm-hmm. a better job of getting Saquon the ball in space because it's essentially him and Waller and that's all they got so I don't know what that entails but come on Dayball it looked like Joe Judge was coaching the game for the first half <laughs> it's weird I, I I hear what you're saying Craig because on one hand I think what Dayball did immediately with Saquon was something that annoyed me it was something that always annoyed me watching Saquon was that the highlights were always incredible, but the amount of times where Saquon kind of danced, Dable immediately made Saquon like a more downhill runner. And it's nice to see Saquon just take like these four or five, six yard runs in a way that like he's happy to take singles and doubles in a way that he hasn't been. But then I watched games like the Dolphins and the Patriots and obviously it's a different system, but the way that the Dolphins, the 49ers at the like zone running and McCaffrey gets a pitch and he like goes wide, wide, wide. And then like when he cuts up field, it's like a red carpet. You know what I mean? Where he mostered in this Dolphins game tonight. Like when he cuts up, I'm like, he got eight yards downfield and no one touched him. And I'm like, damn, like what, you know, it's like, there's a reason McCaffrey looks so good in San Francisco. It's like, what would Saquon yeah, be Saquon's like? Saquon's yards I, are, are hard earned. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when your offensive line, you have one good lineman and he's not playing in the game. So brutal. Uh, yeah. And again, we'll see. It's hard to overstate the difference between Saquon having that regular ankle sprain, which is fine. And a high ankle sprain, which kept Michael Thomas out for three years. So, you know, like pretty big difference. Saquon had a high ankle sprain in 2019 and it basically wasn't the same for ruined his season. Yeah. 10 weeks or two years, arguably. Speaking of injuries, Joe Burrow, Mm. Cincinnati Bengals aggravated his calf injury. The Ravens beat the Bengals 27, 24. Craig, how was this Bengals game? Uh, God, what a weird start. I, Joe Burrow is like, it's like his tr- yearly tradition to start 0-2. Um, yeah. It's, it, it was a really two. messy game. Burrow oh. and 2, that's right. Uh, Three or four I, years, like, they're 0-2. He was worse than his stat line suggested. He ended up having over 200 yards and two touchdowns. But uh, through most of the game, he was terrible once again. And t- so through two games now, Burrow has 300 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. He's averaging nine fantasy points a game. That's ahead of only Zach Wilson and Bryce Young in the whole league. <laughs> Joe Burrow. Craig, I was going to say, want some context for how bad Joe Burrow has been through two weeks? Zach Wilson has more yards than him. Zach Wilson <laughs> has, he's thrown for, Zach Wilson has thrown for 310 yards and Joe Burrow has 304 yards. Somehow Zach Wilson is keeping Garrett Wilson afloat who had a 75 yard touchdown today. Poor Jamar Chase is, is one of the biggest disappointments of fantasy right now. He's yeah. obviously going to bounce back and it'll be fine, but this is brutal. The dude has 10 catches for 70 yards and no touchdowns through two weeks. He's averaging six fantasy points a game. Um, And man, the offense just doesn't look right. Burrow's not moving well. No one's getting open. There's there's no like vertical threat. There's not like deep passes. T. Higgins finally got going, but the offense is just a mess right now. And and it looks like Burrow got hurt at the end of the game. He said he didn't get hurt until the like close to the very end. So you can't even blame his shitty performance on his calf. So I but I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what to make of that. So he he said he aggravated it. They had like the Theragun. He would just look like 
at the sideline at the end. Yeah, he was grimacing, um, taking the Theragun to the calf on the on the bench. Theragun? You guys know what a Theragun is? I own a Yeah, Theragun. no free ad to. <laughs> you guys are like talking about something I, I do not know about, so that's cool. Um, yeah. At so least T. Higgins. It, at least T. Higgins got his. That's all I'm saying. Well, two two notes here, though. It's important to note, he said he got hurt later, but like remember, last week, they took 98% of the snaps in the shotgun. That's a weird thing I mean, thing I'm, sure, to I'm do. sure he wasn't feeling 100%, but he definitely aggravated it late in the game where he had a noticeable yeah, limp, I, which he didn't prior. It's just weird because like with the, when he originally got the calf injury, the first thing we talked about was how Stefania Bell had a great article at ESPN that basically the hardest part about calf injuries is coming back because you don't know. There's no good test to figure it out. And basically Unpredictable. an athlete can come back and like it's it feels great. They feel cool. But like the parts that aren't able to be simulated, which is running for your life from like a defensive end. That's where it's going to give like it's uh, everything outside of that. But it's the most explosive movements of the part where it's going to give and have a setback. And otherwise it won't be noticeable. And as you said, Craig, like that's, you know, Durant had a calf injury that went to an Achilles, like all these things. So yeah, now it's, yeah, yeah. is he going to play? Knock on point, wood. Jeez. About, Jesus. Hi, Fitz. What are you I, doing? Said, <laughs> no, have you learned just, nothing uh, these last week, two weeks? <laughs> Whatever. God right, damn. That. Somebody oh, get man. Burrow a priest right now. <laughs> <laughs> like sprinkle the water on him. <laughs> so the other... I'll undo it. Uh, Joe Burrow had 10 more yards in the last two weeks than the Navy quarterback. (laughs) Wow. Burrow's the new fields. You know, what sucks about this is like, if you have Burrow in your fantasy team, you're kind of stuck. It's like what happened with Herbert last year when he hurt his ribs. It's like, well, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So you're like, you're not going to not start Joe Burrow, but also in a limited capacity, he's probably not going to, even come close to like what he's capable of. So you're just kind of in that messy middle ground where it's like, are, are you really going to like start CJ Stroud over Joe Burrow? M- maybe, but you'll yeah. look like a fool if Burrow has three touchdowns at 300 yards next week, which he might. And that's the thing with Jamar Chase too. It's, he's probably not really even, he's not a buy low. He's not a sell high. It's just like, well, I hope this gets better, but DK to your point, T Higgins finally had a catch. That was cool. T Higgins had an awesome game. Many. And I feel like I honestly, that. that was like a theme. That was like a theme of the whole day. I feel like the guys that we were all like kind of freaking out a little bit, like, gritting our teeth about like they all showed up overreacting perhaps <laughs> I don't want to say that right <laughs> yeah speaking of T Higgins I want to do a new category here this is the Steve Buscemi thank God I called that guy award this is something I tweeted out uh, on Thursday when DeAndre Swift he was like doing an interview in the media room and and he was told that uh, head coach Nick Sirianni did he didn't want to have another game where DeAndre Swift only got two carries. Like I don't want to see that happen again. And Swift's like, oh, he said that. Oh, okay, that's good to know because I didn't know he said that. It's like he DeAndre Swift crossed him off the people list, people to kill list right then and there. And then he went on to have an absolutely massive, just like unbelievable 175 yard t- uh, day with a touchdown for the Eagles on Thursday night football. And a lot of other guys actually had big, huge bounce back weeks. So let's just go down the list. Uh, Lamar Jackson, starting with the Ravens, who played Cincinnati. I thought he played really, really, really well. He was sharp. He didn't run like a ton this game again, but um, he scrambled a lot. But he he was he had a lot of important scrambles, a lot of like third and fours that he like dodged eight guys to get the first down in a crucial moment. Just very impressive three yard runs. He ran like 15 yards to get three yards every single time. (laughs) That's his thing. It was like Mahomes in the Super Bowl against the Bucks when he had like 30 rushing yeah. yards, but they were like, he actually ran oh, four, he actually ran a marathon. Yeah, follow the dots <laughs> yeah, on like the, <laughs> the thing. But anyways, it was very encouraging to see Lamar Jackson kind of like, you know, it felt like he 
was running that offense how they wanted it to be run, which was a very big difference from what we saw in week one. Uh, Josh Allen had another big bounce back week, three touchdown passes. They just, uh, the Bills just annihilated the Raiders. Drake London, our guy who we put in the burn book last week, thank God he's still around. Uh, This is good though. This is exactly why he's burned. This is exactly (laughs) why he's in the burn book. Because you will now start him. Yep. Yes, that is exactly why. You will see. Do not fall for the siren song. <laughs> um, going down the list, Gino Smith for the Seahawks had a big bounce back. Sure. Tyler Lockett had the game-winning touchdown. He actually had two touchdowns in this game. Um, so big week from Tyler Lockett. Christian Kirk, who did not do much of anything last week, had 14 targets, 11 catches, 110 yards. Yeah, you're uh, welcome, folks. That was me. Friday called that. <laughs> so And then, yeah, T. Higgins, of course, was the man we were... Talking about with this category, twelve targets, eight touch or eight uh, catches, eighty nine yards, two touchdowns, twenty four points, huge game. And the Giants, these roster, guys, Darren Waller, Saquon, yeah, Dimes, dude, dude, all the all the Giants. So, I, which of these guys do you, were you um, most afraid to cross off? Like you kind of like, uh, <laughs> they're still going to yeah, come so, back and get you. Drake London, I guess. Drake London's the guy. Because everyone else we trust. Lamar, Josh, I think we trust. Gino, what was, there was a crazy stat on Gino Smith. ESPN's, this is from ESPN Stats and Info. This was Gino Smith's fifth game with 300 passing yards and a 70% completion since the beginning of last year, which is Mm. tied with Patrick Mahomes for the most since (laughs) last season began. It's Patrick Mahomes and Gino Smith with 300 yards and 70% completion. That's crazy. He was also a part of uh, the best quote of the week. Two straight weeks, Gino is a part of uh, the best soundbite. Did you guys see? <laughs> yeah. First, I'm going to do it. I, I want, Yeah, with the ref. I want to do a tangent here. I have a bone to pick with these fucking refs. There were two crucial <laughs> intentional yes. grounding calls against quarterbacks when the receivers just ran the wrong route. The quarterbacks had every intent to throw it to their receiver, but it was like an option route and the receiver chose to go left instead of right mm-hmm. or short instead of long. And the quarterback threw to where he thought they were going and the refs gave them intentional grounding calls. And Gino, as the ref is 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 like announcing the award, I mean the award, announcing the penalty, <laughs> Gino walks up to him and he's like, the dude ran the wrong route. And the ref said to Gino Smith, like, excuse me, I'm trying to talk to America right now. Literally on mic. Intentional grounding. Offense number seven. It's a 10 yard penalty. I'm talking to America here. This is exactly what I hate about referees is this fucking guy was in the middle of making a terrible call, like announcing a terrible call that they had that they had made. And he's like, I'm talking to America. Like, dude, stop trying to insert yourself into the I, story. We don't want to fucking hear from dude, you, guy. I, I agree with you, DK. DK, I have often dismissed, like, I, 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 I I think certain refs Achilles kid. Dude, they just want to be the fucking star of the show. No one fucking pays to watch you guys. <laughs> that was a real insight into the guy's mindset. Like that's I'm talking a real, to America like, here. Like he could have said, like, I'm tr- I'm trying to re- I'm trying to relay the penalty, not I'm talking to America. Imagine like Liz walks in <laughs> as I'm, rec- I'm I turn around, I'm like, Liz, I'm trying to record a podcast for America right <laughs> like now. Like I say that to Calvin. Calvin, go away. I'm talking to America here. <laughs> Liz, America's listening to me right now and you want to interrupt me at this moment? He's rehearsing like Ron Burgundy in the mirror before these games. The, the big thing about these two penalties, and I'm, I'm blanking on this. It happened one. to Stafford and Tutu Atwell. Oh, that's right. So here's the here's the big thing, that, and it's very important <laughs> to know. Neither Stafford nor Geno Smith was even remotely pressured on those plays. There was no exactly. pass pressure near them. It, there, those, the spirit of the rule is a guy's throwing it away into no man's land 
to to avoid a sack pressure. Or, yeah, yes. like to, to so they don't take a sack. Like Geno Smith was just he dropped back. He was like so clean in the pocket. He just threw it to the spot that he thought his receiver was going to. Why be would a quarterback guided. throw it to no one when they're not being pressured? Oh, why God. Why would they do that? Talking to America here, Craig. Talking to America. <laughs> Hold on, I had to get my guy. 15 seconds of fame in here, Gino. One second. <laughs> I hope this I is like the guy with Cole Strange. I, Just come sprinting I'm, in first down. <laughs> I'm remembering it correctly, right? Like that was the play he, that that happened on. Uh, yes. Like, there's like a smidgen of maybe I'm misremembering this or whatever. But no, Gino was yelling at the ref, saying he ran the wrong route, and the guy was like, uh, hold, st- "Step to the side, Gino." Okay. I'm talking to America right now. You're talking. It's to like he's giving the State person. of the Union. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Should that be our new thing? Every time we're wrong about a player, we're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Talking to America, talking to right America here. Talking to America. Hey, right da- now. hey, Heifetz, you said Terry McLaurin. Don't play him in week two. I'm like, oh, talk Jackie's to Jackie's like, Heifetz, could you get the door? The the UPS guy's here. Uh, hold on, babe. I'm, I'm talking to America right now. <laughs> Unbelievable. God damn it. Uh, oh, my God. All right. Well, wait, speaking of the um, the Rams and Tutu, I, the entire Rams team, I, I, Craig, I, you really wore me down because mm-hmm. last year you had this award called the Debutante Award <laughs> for the players who were maturing. And I was so disgusted with you that I, I really refused. I actually did one of the show and I refused to acknowledge it. And I actually genuinely had the thought that I was like, wow, the Rams are a real debutante team. I was like, damn it, he caught me. <laughs> Shit. Warm down. Tutu Atwell is, is maturing in front of our very eyes. Puka Nakua for the Rams has 15 targets last week. And we're like, look, that won't happen again. I think but I Adam, said that several times last week. Look, he's not going to get 15 targets every week. Well, we were right. He had 20 <laughs> targets. 20. <laughs> 15 catches. 25 catches in the season. Most catches through two games, uh, the first two games in a career in NFL history. Pukunuku is the number two receiver in fantasy football. Like, literally, he leads the league in catches. It's Pukunuku is one, Justin Jefferson two. And then receiving yards is Justin Jefferson one, Pukunuku at two. He is the... Adam Schefter had a tweet that was like, I mean, even by his standards, pretty copy and pasted, but it's fine. But uh, <laughs> most receptions in a single game of rookie in NFL history. And then Puka Nakua, first player in NFL history with 10 catches and 100 receiving yards each of his first two career games. I I mean, DK, right now, would you trade Puka Nakua straight up for Garrett Wilson? Would I trade Garrett Wilson for Puka Nakua? Or what, yeah, what are you sure. asking? If you have Puka I- Nakua... And you could acquire Garrett Wilson no. straight up. Would you do it? <laughs> no, no, I would not give up Puka Nakua. Ride the ride the Nakua wave, guys. Stay on this who, wave. Uh, on the real question: Who would you give up Puka Nakua for? Would you give Would you give him up for Devontae Adams, Tyreek? It's <laughs> <laughs> just Tyreek. Honestly, Tom Brady. There's probably like five receivers. <laughs> this is like. Yo, I, no, I think I know now how. 49ers fans feel about Brock Purdy. I'm not giving any, I'm not giving Puka yeah. Nakua for anybody if he's on my team. <laughs> yeah, we, we have our own cult leader I, now. I would not trade Puka you, Nakua for fucking anyone in the NFL at this well, point. Well, you know why? Matt Harmon. At, targets. Dude, Matt Harmon at Reception Perception had a great thing, which every, including us. We're talking about him as Cooper Cup. And Matt Harmon's like, no, Puka Nakua is Robert Woods. This is the Robert Woods yeah. role. Like he took like a yeah. freaking yeah. handoff today. Like, like he's Robert Woods, but honestly, he's the reincarnation. He's a better Bobby Trees. Wow. Bite wow. your tongue. Yeah, I know. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Both okay. Guys got two good games. Offended. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
You, you, you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. Um, so what? Cooper Cup's going to come back and then Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup are going to be like the best one-two punch in the league? Like, is that where we're at already? What's going I on? I think so. Cooper Cup would definitely be the best number two receiver in the NFL. <laughs> um, Knock on wood. Sounded like Puka got a little banged up in this game. So really hoping that he's healthy. Oh, shit. Yeah, because he was he, he was busy, that, that poor guy. Every other he play, he was getting the ball thrown to him. Most people do get a knee injury every 25 catches, so it's fine. But honestly, it's not just, uh, I already jinxed Puka, so it's fine. But I, honestly, all the Rams are good. I, I'm not, the Rams offense, which I may or may not have called unserious like 12 days ago. Kyron <laughs> Williams was good. Like all these guys are good. Yeah, Tutu? by the way, we we need to talk about the fact that Cam Akers is like deja vuing it. This exact same oh. scenario that we saw last year. What what is happening? They're like the Ro- <laughs> McVay and, and Cam Akers, like the Ross and Rachel of football players. Like <laughs> on again, on again, off again. Is it on a break? Like what's going on with these? Two? I don't even ask wait. anymore, Craig. I just you also, know what? wait. I just went to go find Cam Akers. Tweeted. Wait, wait. This is good. I went to Cam yes. Akers tweeted during the game. I just went to go find it. I typed in just instinctively. I typed in George Costanza into the Twitter search bar. <laughs> But Cam Akers was like, hey, guys, I'm just as confused as you. And they're like, yeah, you're like off the team or we're going to trade you. You you haven't met our standards. This is like exactly the exact same thing that happened last year where it started out in the offseason. It's like Sean McVay's talking him up, like we're really excited about what he can do. And then the games come around. He's like inactive. And then he's like on the trade block, like anyone's going to trade for this guy. And then he's away from the team <laughs> for a while. And then this exact same thing happened again. Like, I don't know what's going on here. What, what happened? Kyron, Other than they just like Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams played 70 snaps. 7-0 snaps. 70. Three running backs did that last year. Like the entirety of the season. Dalvin Cook, Mixon, and James Conner. The only three players. Even, even Derrick Henry didn't play 70 snaps in a game last year. I mean, yeah. Kyron Williams RB2 this week. Yeah. I mean, Isn't that insane? Wait, it's even worse than that. Well, not worse. Maybe that's kind of unfair to Kyron Williams. But um, do you know the top five running backs on the season? Right now, through two weeks, are it's Christian McCaffrey, Kyron Williams, Brian Robinson, Pollard, and Bijan. Like Kyron Williams ahead of Pollard and Bijan. <laughs> what the hell is going on? I love this. Well, he it's, has scored. And ac- actually, Mostert just slipped ahead of, of Bijan. Mostert's now five, which is crazy. Oh, Mostert's five. Okay. So also, yeah. also can we talk about the Rams? Two, like Puka Nakua is the number two receiver, and Kyron Williams is the number two running back in the entire two weeks. The Rams, dude, they really just like pulled the the rug out from under us. Cause it, coming into the season, obviously there were some people that were really excited about Puka Nakua, but like, I don't know. He's a yeah. fifth round rookie. Like where did this fucking come from? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't every happen. time I, every time I think about how I feel bad for missing this, I think about all the 31 other teams who passed on this guy four times. And I'm like, yeah. God, they must be upset. As well. But Adam Levitt, sorry, well, Craig, you were, you were on the Rams being better than anticipated the whole season. And you disagreed with me and you were right. Eh, I mean, look, I, I didn't think they were going to be the worst team in the league, but I certainly didn't expect this. I mean, even Tutu Atwell is playing well. That guy was like yeah, determined yeah. to bust the second he was drafted. I feel like they were like, oh, they just drafted right, another phrasing, Tavon Austin. Phrasing. What? <laughs> to bust. Hyphus doesn't like it determined when people to use bust. This, the term bust as a verb. He just said to, whatever. I'm the problem. Determined to a bust, like, not to bust. <laughs> now, uh, not a verb. I heard. But, but like, anyway, to... Tutu Atwell is like the wide receiver 18 right now. He has 196 yards through two games. The dude has 298 yards in his fucking career. And he so, already has 196 this year. Adam Leviton had established the run made an excellent point, which I mean, everyone who's watched the Rams has been like Matt Stafford's back. And that's the real oh, engine he here. So like good. Matt Stafford, yeah. the straw that's stirring the drink. He looks 
like he did two years ago when they won the Super Bowl. But Adam Leviton established the run. Stafford is like a kingmaker for receivers. I mm-hmm. mean, because again, the best receiver season ever, Cooper Cup wins the triple crown two years ago. Calvin Johnson, 1,900 yards, has the receiving yard record, was with Matt Stafford. Julio Jones, the year he almost matched the Calvin Johnson like receiving yards record and like the Falcons almost won the Super Bowl. That was, uh, oh no, that was Matt Ryan. What am I saying? I was just a Matt. Say, where are you going? How did I do that? I don't know. It's just a different Matt. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. <laughs> but anyway, Kenny Galladay had his best season. Galladay. Goltain right. had his best season. Marvin Jones had his, like one of his best seasons of Matt Stafford. I can't believe I just said a man, another Matt. Looking there. back, but, I think Kenny Galladay is the most impressive thing on this list now that we know what right? happened to him. Oh my God. So at the, at the absolute low point of the last week with the Giants, with the 40 to nothing, someone texted me that they got an Instagram targeted ad for Kenny Galladay jersey during the 40 to nothing loss to the Cowboys. <laughs> that was bad. Oh, man. Uh, speaking of, so like with this Matt Stafford thing in mind, though, is Puka Nakua like already on track to be one of the top league winners of this year? Or is do you think when Cup comes back? Because uh, Sean McFay said something over the weekend where sort of, he alluded to the idea the goal is to have Cooper Cup ready to go by week five. Like, yeah, you should trade they, his ass. That's why they put him on IR or whatever so he can heal up and be ready to go by week five. There's no pressure to bring him back before that. Um, once Cooper Cup comes back, it feels to me like Coop, uh, with Puka Nakua is still going to have a pretty massive role on this team. Like, the way that he that Matt Stafford trusts him, the way that he's just willing to feed him, I think Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua are still going to be. Like both, they're both going to be good fantasy assets. Do you agree? But we'll talk about this in a power this week. But I'm going to go to spoiler alert. Pukunuku is a sell high. Ugh. I don't know. I, I, How I dare you? Obviously, you, it's hard to get higher than whatever the fuck he's done. He has he has like 35 targets in two games. We can revisit this, but I'll just put it this way: you walk into a casino, you put ten dollars down in roulette, and you win two hundred dollars. You should probably just walk away from the table because that's what just happened to you. You added you like you random guy. And now we're talking about actually I'd rather have him than Garrett Wilson. Just take the money off the table. Trade him for someone. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud, or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians 
who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. A lot of other players, though, around the league, like these young players really broke out. Like, I think that was one of the huge things from the, like this week. Like, the Did Texans they break out like, or did they mature? Deb? <laughs> Summer Debs. turned pretty, dude. The Deb ball. Summer turned pretty is incredible. I heard it's fine. How dare you? But the Texans, <laughs> CJ Stroud looked fantastic. Nico Collins was unbelievable. Seriously, man. What a steal. Nico Collins, this is the somebody's got to catch passes on this team guy, and it actually pulled through. He's been great two straight weeks. He kind of finished strong last year. And every once in a while, there's like a mid-round guy who's in year two, three, four of their career. They kind of finally find the right quarterback, and they pop. You know, like kind of like Mike Williams did three, four years ago. Um, Nico Collins is like the late-round uh, steal of the draft. And I say that because nobody drafted Puka Nakua. So uh, people that were actually drafted... Nico Collins is like the best guy outside of the top 100. I mean, he had 146 yards and a touchdown this week, nine targets. He had 11 targets the week before. And Stroud looks good. Like Stroud and Collins look like a, a legit one-two punch right now. I really like Stroud. I mean, he was my he was my quarterback one coming into this, to this uh, draft class. And I think there was definitely some concerns about his ability to like ad lib and, and do things out of structure. But he's been so solid throughout the first two yeah. games. Um he had basically he he's shown everything he showed at Ohio State. He's like poised, accurate, on time. Uh, you know, he gives his receivers a chance. He like spreads the ball around. He leads them away from defense and and all those little things that like really matter for for a quarterback in the NFL. And to me, like watching him over the first two weeks, it's clear that the game is not too big for him. It's not too fast for him. So I've been really, really encouraged with what he did, even though they lost today. He threw for like 300. 80 something yards or, or something. He he was like all over the place and, and he's fourth in the league right now in passing yards and he has no interceptions. Yeah. So I think that this is, we talked about this offense during the off season is like stay away from this passing game. Rookies are always bad and are typically bad. And now I'm starting to think like there's maybe some hidden value in here. Like obviously Nico Collins is on track to be a steal where he was. I think Tank Dell was really impressive today and Robert Woods, Robbie, Bobby trees, our guy, he's another like sort of high floor, low ceiling type of guy that you could plug into a flex if you want. And he's just going to get like six to eight targets in every, in every game. And so I don't know, man, this, this offense is a little bit more exciting than I was, uh, that I thought it would be. I mean, overall, I feel like one of the big themes of, of not just the day, well, first of all, my a belief I have is that week one is overreactions, but so much of the time you actually know everything you need to know by week two. You really do. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible if you look back, like Patrick Mahomes, when he first became a starter, like four touchdowns in week one and like five in week two. Lamar Jackson came out five touchdowns in week one. You know, that was he, MVP of 2019, MVP of 2018, Justin Herbert. Week two, just two minutes before yeah. the game begins, Tyra Taylor stabbed. You got to start, kid. He's in. Like, he's good immediately. As much as we do say patience, we've had a lot of guys where they're just throwing in and you're like, yep, cool. I get it. He's there. CJ Stroud, he already looks good. Anthony Richardson. Already looks good. Justin yep. Jefferson, third game of his career, 175 yards. And I'm like, Marvin Mims, who had the most receiving yards in the history of Texas high school football, just immediately looked good today. Like two catches for <laughs> 113 yards. Like, yeah. yep, he can play football. The Packers have like four players that have like a combined 15 games of experience. They all look great today. I know that they lost the game, but like they all look good. Jordan Love, six touchdowns. I'm like, I'm looking just generally all these guys 
Deb ball, man. Everyone looked good at the Deb ball. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, Brian Wa- Brian Robinson too. I touted him during the during the offseason in our sleepers episode as one of my like favorite sleepers, and and a big part of the reason was he was shot before last season, and then he <laughs> he was still pretty good. Like he got shot in the leg, and he was still good. That we should have talked about that more. I feel like um, I, I will. Yeah, say, we don't talk I, about that was, enough. It was weird to talk about because I kind of like most of the time you take numbers and you apply them from the previous season forward. Right. And I kind of just was super confused at the idea that any of Brian Robinson's efficiency numbers should be applied to the future as if the getting shot and returning is indicative of how he will play now. And I wish I had said that more because in retrospect, it's obvious, but like he looks just like he did at Alabama, which was like underratedly incredible. Right. It's boring name. Hi, that's Vitz. all. Hi, if, if you were shot in the leg, how much time would you miss from this podcast? Do you think a couple weeks? <laughs> I'd die. I would die. <laughs> so die. forever. <laughs> just going to shock. I would not survive. Uh, First of all, Brian Robinson like fended off the carjackers, I think. So it's like, it didn't even matter. Like oh, I wouldn't even so, Just for, so for context, Brian Robinson through two weeks is the RB three. Pending Monday Night Football. Wow. He's the number one running back of the week. He is averaging 20 touches a game. This was a big part of my thesis on why I thought he was a sleeper. It's because Washington's coaching staff loves this guy. He's like, he's a coach's dream. He, he plays really hard. He does all the little things well. He can catch it. He can pass protect. He's just like trustworthy, tough and physical and versatile. And he's averaging 20 touches a game. Antonio Gibson, who a lot of people thought was going to take his job, is averaging 4.5 touches a game. The volume, yeah. maybe. And honestly, dude, Eric Bianami is an old school coach. JJ Zacharyson, who has a good podcast called The Late Round Podcast, his whole thing is that you should be drafting guys who are in ambiguous backfields that are going in the middle rounds of drafts. It's like when you don't know who the 1A and 1B is, and they're kind of going within a couple rounds of one another, there's just a lot of value there because there's there's always a chance that one of them becomes the guy, and we don't just really know what these coaches are thinking. And yeah. it immediately happened with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. Brian Robinson is just, you know, the workhorse. The other, um, we're talking about younger guys. The other guy I forgot to mention, Anthony Richardson for the Colts. He had 18 fantasy points in six minutes, two rushing touchdowns. And then he left with a, with um, a concussion. Yeah. That and terrible. that sucked because honestly, I thought it was super indicative. I feel like for Stroud and Richardson, it's exactly what was promised. And Stroud for all these questions, like does look decisive and does look like he's, like processing and seeing an NFL game at NFL speed. And Richardson's exactly what we were told, which is he's kind of like Josh Allen, impossible to bring down and possibly big and fast. And I have no idea if he can protect himself. Maybe that's a little unfair because, you know, it's not like the, the play he got hurt on was like, you know, his head hit snap back, but like he clearly doesn't, you know, no one has less self-preservation than Josh Allen, but if, you know, health permitting, these guys both look like obvious NFL starters. Like for a long time. It's just a question now of health. It sucks that Richardson was so good and then immediately hurt. I know what you're saying though. Like in week one, Richardson got banged up on like a goal line play because he was just, you know, sacrificing his body essentially to like try and pick up a couple extra yards right in the red zone. This this play that that he got hurt on was it was a touchdown run where he kind of got he was over the line, he was over the goal line just a little bit, and then he sort of got pushed over and he just landed weird and hit the back of his head on the ground. So like that one didn't feel to me like he was, you know, being sort of cavalier with his body or anything. So I, I would wait to like really be worried about it. But yeah, that that was just unfortunate because he was he was on pace to be 
like the top quarterback this week, like he was running all over the place. They were designing runs for him. He, both of his rushing touchdowns, I think were from like outside the 10 yard line. I can't remember exactly how long they were, but like 15, 20 yard runs. And so, yeah, man, he's, he's so exciting from a fantasy point of view. All right, Craig, next up here. I, I wanted to talk about Marvin Mims having a great day. I stupidly dropped him after week one because he played like four snaps and he actually still didn't play a ton of snaps today, but the, the Russell Wilson moon ball kind of came back and oh, yeah. it was such a weird day watching the Broncos. Cause it was like, it's like the kombucha girl meme where it was like Russ, I, there was a, there was a portion of the day where Russ was like six for nine for like 180 yards in a touchdown. And it was like every ball he was throwing was like a 40 yard moon ball to Marvin Mims or Cortland Sutton or somebody. And I was like, wow, like Peyton needed about a game, game and a half. And he figured out Russ and like old Russ is back. And then I checked back in 30 minutes later and Russ was like <laughs> six for 13, still yeah. for 180 yards and a touchdown. I'm like, oh, maybe Russ isn't back. And then he had his weird Hail Mary thing at the end of the game. Then they don't get the two point conversion. I was kind of like snip, snap, snip, snap with Russ and, and the Broncos. I, I don't, I don't know what I, what I think yet. I, unlike good? what oh, I haven't yeah. said about week two, I don't know. We don't know yet with Russ. Can you explain the Hail Mary thing? For the, <laughs> yes. That was insane. Uh, I don't want to just gloss over this. I don't remember the exact context of it, but essentially they were down eight. He hucked a ball from probably like the 40, the opposing 40 yard line. It landed, I think around like the five and got tipped yeah. by like three different people tipped into the end zone. And then the Broncos guy caught it. It was like incredible. It was totally just random. It was not a good throw. It was not, not a particularly good play design or whatever, but it worked. Um, Craig, when you're talking, so like when you're talking about Russell Wilson, I don't know if I just have a bad memory of I, I don't have a very crystal clear memory of what it was like when Russell Wilson was a quarterback during his heyday, during his elite years with the Seahawks. But part of me is like he has always been this guy, like his numbers are always really good and efficient. He didn't throw a lot of picks, but f for the vast majority of the game, I feel like I'm frustrated nothing's working and then he'll hit like a 50 yard bomb down the field and everything starts to work. And during his elite years, he was running a lot and that also helps things a lot. But I feel like Russell Wilson's really not that different. Everyone's saying he sucks now. It's not that different from what he was with the Seahawks because there were so many times during the Seahawks era where it was like, I hate watching this offense so much, but then he would make these incredible plays. He'd pull something out of his ass and like make a touchdown down the field to Tyler Lockett or whatever. So I'm just trying to like remember, you know, truly, I don't, I can't remember if it was ever this bad with the Seahawks or if I'm just like sort of misremembering what it was really like. But I, I do remember being very frustrated a lot of the times with the Seahawks offense and then he would just pull these plays out of his ass. Russell Wilson's like a very talented pickup basketball player that no one wants to play with. <laughs> he, I like his yards per, his yards per attempt today were really good. Like he was like a nine something yards per attempt. Like, would you say he had a good game? I don't even know if that was good. I don't even know if he had a good game. You know. I had the same reaction as Craig did, which is I wrote down Sean Payton fixed Russell Wilson and then I crossed it out. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote Russ is back. Never mind. <laughs> oh, my God. And like Sean, Sean Payton might hate this guy. Truly. Uh, after the game, he was talking. Somebody asked him about it because I think they were having some trouble getting the plays in and like on time. And it was they were struggling with all that. And Payton's like, I don't know if we have to go to a wristband, we will. Because Russ is letting like play cock get down again. Already. Yeah, clearly. I don't love watching the Broncos. You know a team I don't love watching even more? The the Bears. I wanted to ask you guys, <laughs> every year there's like teams that I just avoid in fantasy and I'm so thrilled that I do because unless the Bears are playing 
an important team. I'm so happy that I don't have to watch them every week that I can just full on ignore them. Do you guys have a team that you're th- th- like that that you're happy you just, you just don't have to watch every week? Uh, I would. I mean, I would the say Bears. the Bears are one, but I have too much Fields, and I really already regret it because they're not running him. Like the the whole thesis behind Fields, and again, I don't want to get all worked up, but he had three design rushes today. What the fuck are they doing? Like, what are they doing? Craig, He's clearly not a good passer right now. Craig, Try didn't something. your dad get a sports car and then was too afraid to drive it around? And they kept it in his garage. Wow, really kind of opening up the personal vault here. But yeah, you that did happen. A show. <laughs> Thought that was kind of. Off mic Zoom combo between you and I, just private, intimate moment. But yeah, my, my father did. He got a Corvette and never drove it because he was too afraid to nick it up. And then he sold it. <laughs> At least he sold it. That's the Bears. That's the Bears <laughs> when they get the first pick again and then they just trade Justin Fields away and just build around someone else. They're just what they're, we, we talked about this. They're, they want Justin Fields to break up with them. That's right. what they want to yeah. do. They don't want to be the ones to bench him because they don't want to look bad. I didn't draft DJ Moore. I didn't get any of the running backs. There's like three of them. I don't want any of them. Fields is impossible to watch. You have to root for him to like run a 40-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter to save your day. <laughs> I don't want any of it. Brutal. I'm so happy. Can you imagine having Cole Komet like on your team? <laughs> Chase Claypool caught a touchdown. Mapletron caught a touchdown <laughs> yeah, today. Mapletron is back. Dude, Austin, wait. Shout out Austin Gale here at the Raiders. Justin Fields' pass attempts are... Basically six yards in front of the first down marker on average or touchdown line, same thing. Uh, like behind. Six yeah. yards in front of the first down marker through the first two weeks, which is the second lowest mark for any quarterback to begin a season in uh, the last 17 years. It's not great. Which is got, which is unbelievable. So cool. Realistically, like what what's going to happen here? Do you think they're going to bench? Fields? I'm not kidding. The Bears are going to get a high draft pick, they're going to take the quarterback and they're going to trade Justin Fields somewhere. No, I'm talking like about he's before done. that. Like, how, how many games does Field have before they bench him? Well, not it, bench? Why bench maybe him? you want to lose. Like, what, you should just play him and, and have him play terribly and then all the fans <laughs> won't be upset when you draft a new yeah, quarterback. I, I don't think there's a reason to bench what's him. A, what's another team like this, though? Because we got to talk about one more. Like, what's a, what's the other best example? I, I know the Bears are the best example of this this year, I think. The obviously. Cardinals. It's just James Conner. And then Dude, what? James Conner looks like a beast. Zach Ertz? No. I mean, obviously, um, the, the the Falcons are frustrating. It's, it's, it's probably the Panthers, to be honest. Ooh. Yeah. yeah that's it's the one. Panthers. That's the right answer. Watch them have like 80 points on Monday Night Football now that we pick this out. <laughs> right. Um, it's, uh, I will say, while we're talking about the Bucs, though, I, while we're talking about the Bears, but should, worth mentioning, the Bucs throttled the freaking Bears, and Justin mm. Tur- Fields had like four turnovers. The Bucs on the flip side, Mike Evans looked incredible. Mike Evans is the number two receiver in fantasy football behind Tyreek Hill. Love this. I gotta, take, I gotta take an L on this. I, I was really out on Mike Evans. I'm still out. So was I'm I. digging my yeah. feet in. I'm doubling down, sell high. Mike Evans stinks. <laughs> He's I Baker think he stinks. is actually like a really good sell high candidate because it seems unlikely he's gonna continue to get like a 28% target rate all year. That being said, Baker's the frisky, number two man. receiver. Number two receiver in football right now. Uh he did. There was a hilarious play in, early in the game where he caught a pass and like juked a defender and started running downfield and just kind of just slowly ran out of gas and they caught him from behind. But I mean, he had an amazing game: 171 yards, touchdown on six carry on six catches. Yeah, he's just he's balling out of his mind right now. Maybe there's what it, Baker just looks to him. That's the only thing. Baker's doing that thing where you you know when backups come in. I know he's not a backup, but you know when backups come in and they know they're not going to be starting for long, so they they risk their body a little bit more. They they get like really jacked up on like a five yard scamper and they're like and lowering their head to get the first Kyle down Brandt for the angry <laughs> run. 
<laughs> Baker is like himself. truly selling out on every single play because I think he knows. He's like, listen, I don't know how many more games I got in yet, starter. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna send it. And it's fun to watch right now. I gotta say, the, the, gotta the Bucks are way it. more entertaining than I thought they would be. <laughs> yeah. Baker is risking his body like he was Josh Allen, but he has neither Josh Allen's speed nor size. And so he just gets rocked. And I'm <laughs> like, like this team man. has no future. Like Mike Evans might not be on the team in two months. They basically said, we're not resigning you. Godwin's a trade candidate. Like Baker's not the long-term answer. The defense is good, but like kind of old, like this team is probably going to be completely different in two years. And I love that. They're just like kind of good right now. And they're not thinking about the future. They're in real and, and mode. Two and, and baby. The te- also the teams, they beat Vikings bottom three cornerback group in the NFL. Like they just, they have very few people who've played outside cornerback in their lives. Very few bears, worst front seven in football. The bears don't have defensive linemen. Of the bears. Like defense is impossible. This is a house bad. of cards. Mayfield was 26 of 34. Jeez. Yeah, it's, it's the bears. It, I, my, I agree. Mike Evans is probably so high. Uh, Keenan Allen. Also, while we're talking old guys, shout out the old guys, Keenan Allen, also top five receiver in fantasy through the last couple of weeks. So yeah, old guys keeping it real. The old heads. Um, but let's pivot to a young guy who is not playing like a young guy. Uh, that's Kyle Pitts, who <laughs> welcome back to our, our weekly edition of uh, three tight ends who outscored Kyle Pitts in a lie this week. <laughs> Kyle it. Pitts, two catches, 15 yards. Well done, sir. Uh, 2.5 fantasy points. So 46 <laughs> tight. 46 tight ends this week recorded more than 0.1 points. 46, 46 tight ends. Okay. Kyle Pitts 46? was 37th on that list. He was 37th. So well Good done Lord. to Kyle. I'm, I'm going to give you guys four <laughs> well tight ends. Kyle. Four tight ends who, out, who outscored Kyle Pitts. One of them is a lie. Three of okay. these are real. Stone Smart, who I have to imagine <laughs> is the first Keith, time many people have heard that name on this podcast. Stone Smart Stone is a real Smart? person. Okay. Yep. What? Will Wait. Will Mallory. Hold mm-hmm. up, hold That's up. That's a real person. Up. Are you saying these are real people and one of them did not score them or that you made up one of these people? All of these are real tight ends in the NFL who recorded more than 0.1 fantasy points today. No, they're not. No, they recorded more than yeah. Kyle Pitts. Yes. Well, one of them didn't. So, but of the four, all of Got them it. recorded some points. <laughs> did so, you are you lying and you the bit's going to be you made up? Those are both real people, Stone Smart and Will Mallory. This is I like wish we've I was never lying. played this game. <laughs> Every week, Hyvitz is baffled. The game He's, like, yeah. He's like, stop. He's like, stop. I've never heard of these people, though. Stone Smart. What is he on the Chargers? He no, is. one Stone of these guys Smart. has to be on the Colts because the Colts had That's nine tight ends. Will Mallory's oh, on the Colts. Okay. I refuse to learn any of the Colts tight ends because I looked at the roster. I saw nine and I was like, this is insane. I'll figure you out. I later. think, I think Will Mallory works at the ringer, but I could be wrong. So we have Stone Smart, <laughs> Will Mallory. Cole Turner and Austin Hooper, my nemesis. Austin Hooper did not because you wouldn't put Austin Hooper in a position of praise. Damn yeah, straight. That's right. You couldn't even score, outscore Kyle Pitts, Austin. Low of the low. Bitch. Stone Smart. Who is Stone Smart? That's right. Dude, the, the Chargers love random tight ends. Is it's he like the their favorite thing in the string world. tight end on the Chargers? I can't even tell you how much it kills me that Stone Smart outscored <laughs> Kyle Pitts today. It just died a little bit inside. Every every week last year, it was like three Chargers tight ends would outscore Kyle Pitts in the same week. Don't you remember that? So here's uh. my question. The Falcons, um, once again, worth mentioning, won the game. Yep. 2-0. Yeah. Undefeated. The Atlanta Falcons. How long, DK, how long can the Falcons... I'm going to ask you this every week. How long can the Falcons go undefeated 
until you admit Arthur Smith is a really good coach doing a great job. Mm. 17 12, and 0? 12 games. Oh, <laughs> no, actually, if I'm being completely 19. honest, I'm not mad at Arthur Smith today. The the Kyle Pitts thing is like again, I've sort of just washed my hands of the Kyle Pitts thing. I was right. more mad last week about Drake London the- having zero catches. Drake London was went off today. I'm happy about that. Like I can I well, can go to sleep. Went off and, in and Falcons can, quotes. Well, sure. in, fa- in Falcons terms, he went off. Seven, he had six catches for sixty yards. yards. It, it wasn't a twenty target game like our friend in other words, Nakua, but yeah, I mean, a quarter I'll take of seven a Nakua. I'm not even mad. And by the way, and this is something I tried to say last time. You guys kind of Heifetz definitely like shut me down. But like the way that they use use Bijan Robinson is legitimately rad. Like. The way that they're using him all over the field as like a big time receiver, they're spreading him out. Yeah, receiving. You know, like a lot of that stuff is very cool. I I want to say that, put that on the record. The Kyle Pitts stuff is frustrating, but I've sort of just given up hope for that. And this week, Drake London was fine. Drake London did well. So this is a Falcons. push. I'm not gonna bitch about I'm not gonna pitch bitch about Arthur Smith today. Falcons are my favorite team in the league, and it's not even close. <laughs> I love watching them. Stone so Smart weird. went to Stone Smart went to Old Dominion. He went to Old Dominion. They Old played Dominion. Ch- Old Nuga. Dominion. I think they're in Nuga's conference. I could be wrong. Um, one one more note on the Falcons. I'm ready, m- much like Bill Simmons did, I think after one Saquon Barkley game in the NFL, I'm ready to declare Bajon Robinson the best running back in the league. He is. I am 100% not, on board with this. It's ever close. Except for Pollard. No, give me Bijan. This dude is like, when you watch him, it's like he's at 1.2x speed and everyone's just at one. Yeah, he's a podcast. Should we can we name him the podcast? You know, no, that's not even close to cool enough to describe Bajan Robinson. The podcast, <laughs> the pod. No, we're, we're, Mike Davis's nickname is the podcast. Uh, <laughs> you know when you're like walking on an S, you know those like flat escalators at the airport. I don't know what those are called. You know, yeah, they're like know walking exactly flat escalators. Called the one. The one point two x speed things. Yes. That's what he's it looks like when Bijan's running. <laughs> it's like he's just like on an escalator and everybody else isn't. He's incredible. I, Dude, I truly his, think he's the best running back in the league. His angles, the way that he runs, he just like makes defenders take the completely wrong angle. It's like in Top Gun where he's like, I'm just going to hit the brakes and they'll fly right by. Like there's, he'll do this like three or four times on one single run where he just slightly slows up and the defender just runs past him. Yeah. It's like insane how he does this. He's just running I know at you, speed. I, Kai just hit us up. He says the internet calls those things uh, moving walkways. Oh, I feel like we could sense. do better. I, pr- I prefer the 1.2 s- speed X things. <laughs> I totally pick up what you're putting down where he, Bijan makes people miss with very minimal movement. Not as herky jerky as Lamar does it, but I will say it reminds me a little bit of Michael Vick in that ability mm-hmm. to do it, but it's more heft. It actually, to me, looks more like the way Miles Garrett or Micah Parsons have been lining up over the center the last couple weeks and just like just knife jacking into the offensive line, but like without really touching them. Like Bijan Robinson kind of is making guys miss with like, but in a more physical way, like a defensive end. You know what I mean? He's he's a perfect he's kind of everything. He's like smooth but violent. He's like Alvin Kamara mixed with Saquon Barkley. He's herky jerky, but he's also like north and south. He has a perfect blend of everything. Yeah. He's got like really smooth hands. He's like if Percy Harvin was 230 pounds. Yeah. Yo, that's a great way to put exactly it. Also, he's got 10 like. catches through two games. I mean, yeah, he's that's been for 85 DK. catches. Believe me, I don't want to give Mr. Arthur Smith any credit, but I am pretty excited. For for the teams I have Bijan Robinson, I'm like, I'm cool with that. Like, I'm fine. It'd be nice if you give him a few more like goal line things, but I'm not going to like 
I'm not going to be too quibble too much with that. Also, you know, Drake London had a great game, but unfortunately, Drake London doesn't give a shit how, how many yards he <laughs> got. The W. He doesn't care. <laughs> they got the win. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I'd love to interview I mean, Kyle Pitts. I wonder if he cares. Sideline. He doesn't care. You know, he might not start next week. He's just doesn't matter. He's not in the game plan. Yeah. yeah. Let the fantasy guys worry about it. We don't serve Drake London dinner. He doesn't care. He, we got the win. By the way, the Packers really blew that game. <laughs> That's neither here nor there, but they blew it. Desmond Ritter, kind of frisky. Isn't it weird they're the same age? Desmond Ritter and Jordan Love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of it weird. It's weird. It's like insane if you think about it. Anyway, uh, I love Jordan Love, even though, yeah, they kind of screwed up the game. It's fine. I mean, he had three right. touchdowns, but they he was just, good. I know. They couldn't they do anything. Should have been like the number quarter. two quarterback in yeah. fantasy football, Jordan Love. Really? No big deal. I think so. Because he has th- six like, touchdowns. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that'll do it. All right. Time of the week. Burn book, baby. Oh, shit. I mean, we got to get, we got, I, I want to stay in Atlanta if you know where I'm headed. We got, we got to. At this point, we have we to get out to. now. Yeah, we have to give it to Kyle Pitts. Just sell low. I wanted to. I wanted to burn Will Mallory. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Just like all the preseason hype on him and Stone Smart, and they're just like it's so disappointing. Is that? Good no God. I, I'm actually. I'm pretty disappointed in the three of us for ranking Kyle Pitts in the top ten. I don't know, at, know. at the position. I don't know what the fuck we were doing. Next year, I'm going to rank him thirty second. <laughs> you know it's funny. Right, I'm dead serious. <laughs> one of the one of the first conversations we had about our rankings was: should we put Kyle Pitts in an area where anyone would reasonably draft him, or should we just put him outside the top 100, like totally? We should. And we were like, we, we were like, I, oh, we I guess mates. we like shouldn't do that. Like originally, he's, the, he's like, the quintessential. No he's the quintessential guy who. You hate you have to rank, but you're never actually going to take him kind of player. You know what I mean? Like we've talked about this on shows before where we feel sort of like responsible for putting him somewhere in the region that like he's going. You know what I mean? Without just completely letting our we had him lowest. We were the lowest on him of anywhere. We had him like. In like, I mean, really, I think we had him like late seventies, eighty. Like, like way, we ended up ultimately. way too high. It was and like, we had him, was, we had him twice as high as we should have. Yeah, I remember, yeah, we were twice as high, and I remember <laughs> us talking. We're like, I think this is as low as we can go while maintaining professional credibility. I want to be clear. Was, I still think he's an amazing player. I hope to God he doesn't re-sign with the Falcons in a couple of years. But yeah, like it's just no. Why I don't would have anything he? To do. Yeah, he wouldn't. I'm sure, but. Well, that must mean he doesn't care about winning. I would resign. <laughs> Falcons go 19 to 0. Kyle Pitts is like, I like stats. So How can we do Kyle Pitts? Kyle Pitts I, mark my words. Kyle Pitts will not be top 20 for me next year. He will not. Mark my words. Okay. Mind you, we, I, we, I, I kind of want to resolve to really believe our memento tattoos next year. Like we really like should have just been like, just but that I need a tattoo on the inside of my Isn't it eyelids. Annoying? We Don't literally talked Kyle about Pitts. Hunter Henry being better than Kyle Pitts this year. And I don't, I, I just wish we had ranked Hunter Henry ahead of Kyle Pitts. That just wasn't as crazy as it sounded. Kyle Pitts yeah, is the tight end 26 this year. <laughs> that high? That honestly feels high. And it's because he had one 40 yard catch that was really lucky last week. <sighs> yes. Yeah, all right. Kyle Pitts, you're in the bird book. This is amazing. I hope there's another Falcon next week. Just, just above Will Disley. 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> it looks like DK. Uh, uh. Email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. Email us trivia questions for the waiver show. Email us fantasy courts, arguments with your friends, group chats, include receipts if you got them. Whatever you got, fantasy football questions too, other weird stuff. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Kai, for producing this episode. Feel better, producer Carlos. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Van Halen. Dude, I think the intro of Jump is one of the all-time banging intros. Uh, Craig, the reason Dude. I said it is because I'm pretty sure the Apple, the Applebee's commercial on Sunday Night Football had Jump as like the song. Yes! We got an email <laughs> about this. I, okay. Jump! Really? That was perfect. So, okay. I have to find this email now. Yeah, we got the an email about... The most okay, 80s yeah. intro of all time and it Gasses me right Just up. Just like yeah, like the I'm, keyboard, like the synth. This is from it's so synthy. This is from Sid. Sid. I just finished listening to your episode where you mentioned how ESPN missed out by not playing an Applebee's ad after Aaron <laughs> Rodgers got hurt, but while playing a game on my phone, an in-game ad came on for you guessed it, Applebee's, and the song they were using was "Jump" by Van Halen. Yeah, <laughs> and that would have been a good ad for the like a good ad for the Rodgers injury. Something Rodgers couldn't do. Yeah, jump. <laughs> <laughs> so I every now and then there's a headline that's so ridiculous that I kind of just resolve I'll never click on this and I'm just not going to find out if it's real or not every now and then and I saw the Dolphins one and I was like I think this is the onion I think this is fake and I'm going to see how long I can go without finding out and I still don't know the answer is, is there a, a, a plethora of content out there to, of, of Dolphins fornicating is that easy to find or is he kind of Using his connections <laughs> to get that audio. How is he acquiring like the, the sound like of dolphins? Click on the sex? ASMR hashtag on like YouTube or whatever. Like, <laughs> is that just like? Yeah, is it all YouTube? Is is there a TikTok trend I'm unaware of? Like, how, like I mean, Craig, we all we all know where to find it. <laughs> I guess we do. Don't pretend. There's no kink shaming here, Craig. It's like it's okay. We're all adults. Was he being serious? Yeah. I think he was. I think what actually happens, I, I, I refuse to click on this. I think what happens is Rogers knows that he gets aggregated. And I think he just says shit on Pat McAfee and they're joking. And then it gets, and then people write it down. And then Rogers really enjoys that clarifying. This is neither here nor there, but we've been bitching about Kyle Pitts. George Kittle has the exact same amount of points so far as Kyle Pitts does this year. Ooh, good one. I'm just going to throw that out there. Do you, wait, did you? I saw a stat today that I actually was, I, for the first time in forever, I was like, I think the TV people are wrong because I couldn't believe it. And I don't think they are. <laughs> but I just, I couldn't people. believe it was true. The TV people. That George Kittle got to 400 career catches faster than Jerry Rice, which sounded impossible. What? <laughs> really? Dude, Kittle Rice? was awesome for a I while feel like there. he doesn't catch the ball that often. Yeah, he got to 400 catches today. He beat Jerry Rice. And I'm like, the guy who led the tight ends and receiving in 2018 and has like three catches a game since then. Uh, I, I, I could, it was stunning to me. Maybe Jerry Rice wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I think we had Kittle ranked higher than Pitts, by the way. Yeah. They both have 7.9 points in half PPR. Yeah. But you know games. what? The difference is you George what? Kittle has George Kittle had like please. 11 touchdowns last year. I don't feel as bad. Kalpitz might, Kalpitz might not fair. finish That's his fair. career with 11 touchdowns. Like Kalpitz, we, we don't know that Kalpitz will have 11 touchdowns. This year. I think, I think, I, I think Puka Nakua had more catches today than Kyle Pitts has had in the last six games. So, yo, that's actually what mm. we need to figure out. How many games will it take for Puka Nakua 
to surpass Kyle Pitts in career catches. Because Kyle Pitts right <laughs> like now is two like or three 98. more. Yeah. I'm not even that sounds like a joke, but Puka Nakua has 25. He has one quarter of the way to Kyle Pitts' <laughs> number. He's a quarter of the way there. That's Statistically, by week eight, he will surpass Kyle <laughs> yeah, Pitts. That's no, by week four. No, that'll get him 50 catches by week four. No, he's 25 catch. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's late. It's late on the East Coast. Man, my out. wife is 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 like 15 feet behind me on the other side of a wall. And I can't wait to walk in. And she's like, every day I'm like, so yeah, I always have to explain the last 10 minutes of the show. She's like, so <laughs> what was going on there? What like <laughs> normalized coming fast? What are you talking about? <laughs> talking to America here, honey. <laughs> Can't talk right America. now, babe. America's calling. <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking to America. <laughs> oh my god! All right, did I do the thank yous? Yes, we yeah. talked about Van Halen oh, briefly. Right? Yeah, jump. All right, yeah. All right, America. Goodbye, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.